but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> did I push the button? I did push yeah, the button. Yeah, you did. Haven't we been a teenager for a while? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because we just turned 13. Oh, you're talking about us or are you talking about the podcast? No, I'm talking about the podcast. I, yeah. I, we just turned 13. I thought we were like 14 or 15. Well, okay. We, we were born in 2006. Okay. All right. So I know it seems like 20, 30 years, <laughs> but it was, it's really only been, it's really not going to go there. Wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> It would be like a new thing. It'd be like a. It'd be like a uh, AMU. It would be, it would be a uh, uh-huh. UCAP years. Uh huh. It would be UCAP years. Every every UCAP year is like three regular years or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah so this 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 we'd be officially teenagers now. Yeah. We're and, te- and and not responsible for our actions. It's you know, not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're old enough to make trouble, but not get blamed for it. That's right. Well, Under that's, eighteen, you won't be doing any time. That's right. As there the, we go. As the song lyric goes. Yeah, yeah. They just send us to. We'll be the aviation equivalent of juvie. It'll be av. They send us um, to av. A six oh nine ride. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Seven oh nine, whatever it's called. Okay. Um, so I was talking to a listener um, this past week or so, and uh, he told me about an interesting situation that he found himself in, and it has to do with uh, uh, with getting special VFR at at his home airport. Um, and uh, he so he was returning home one evening um, and returning into the area one evening, and and his airport was clearly. IFR. So that wasn't really a question. And he landed out at a nearby airport and managed to get home by ground. Um, and, uh, and then s- sometime later he moved his airport back home again. And then the next time, I guess, or soon after he was planning to depart his home airport, which is along the coast of California, just to give you some context here. Um, um, the morning he was getting ready to depart, there was a fog bank sneaking into the area. It was not moving. It was very, very slow, basically stationary. But it was a fog bank that had crossed the bounds of the airport on in one direction. Like he described it as less than a quarter of the of the you know perimeter. And and that made this particular area um, basically zero visibility. Um, but because now he could have taken off. So there's crossing runways at this run airport, and he could have taken off on one of the runways that was clear in both directions of the runway, and he could have gotten back to the runway if he had a problem. He could have done all these things, but because one part of the airport was less than VFR, they wouldn't even give him um, a special VFR. Uh, he requested a special, and they wouldn't give it to him. Why did they not give him a special? Because they, they said the airport's below. Because special has to be one greater, mile, in, one mile and clear of clouds. Right, has to be greater than a mile. And they were saying that because this fog bank made it less than a mile in one direction, he they couldn't give him a special. That's consistent. I think it is too. Um, the the. I, I was trying to research this while we're talking. I haven't found the answer yet. And I, but, I gave you a couple of links that might help, but go ahead. Well, yeah. okay. Um, I click on a link. Are you kidding? Um, <laughs> when you can Google? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the METAR for a Delta, I believe, looks at the, the worst conditions within the Delta itself. And one side of the runway, one end of the runway can be severe clear. The other end of the runway can be, you know, 100 overcast. Um, and and, and they consider the entire D Delta to be. I believe that's the case. And that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to research. Yeah. And I, let's see if this is the link I gave you here. So, uh, um, what does it say here? This is from, well, you know, and it is Universal Weather and Aviation Incorporated. Yeah, so I, was, I don't know. Um, I think the uh, and aeronautic, I did, aeronautical information manual is the place to That would be it. great. And I, I, I couldn't find it there, but you tell it's, me. It's, <laughs> okay. Uh, give me a minute or so. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I wasn't prepared for this this morning. So. I know. Didn't, didn't know there was going to be a quiz. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, right. Yeah, well, this is. I didn't know there was going to be math. Yeah, this is uh, me preparing for my uh, flight review. So yeah, well, I need to get, I need to, you know, know all this stuff. So when I get quizzed on it, the other thing, my, the listener, while you're looking, Jeb, the other thing the listener was was puzzled by is that he, and I don't have the exact details, so maybe I misunderstood. But what he came away from another kind of related experience was that ATC would not give him a special to take off. They said specials to take off don't even apply that doesn't exist that's um, not true and i didn't think that was true and i did some research and found a reference that said yeah specials can be for both takeoff or landing um i i hope so because otherwise some controllers and i willfully violated that rule uh numerous times yeah before i got my instrument rating uh, right yeah i've never gotten i took yeah. off under a special vfr flew 75 miles out of my way uh, about five miles off of the weather that it was causing me the grief went around the north end of it and then you know severe clear on the other side but if i hadn't been able to take off under special i might still be there drawing social security <laughs> yeah uh it's uh so yeah i'm pretty sure that that's the, the, the yeah you can request and and under the proper circumstances be granted a special vfr clearance both to arrive or depart um and uh, and it's just this visibility thing that kind of puzzled me. It's kind of this is a good you know hanger flying question. Is is what exactly is the definition of visibility in these kinds of situations? And Jeb, you're suggesting, and you're probably correct. I, I don't doubt you, but you're suggesting that it has to do with one the worst possible direction, which seems a little limiting to me. But okay, I can I guess so. Any luck, Jeb? I'm still working on it. There's t several sources here I need to to. Uh not download um, yeah. <laughs> um give me a minute or two talk about talk among yourselves or something yeah okay i found a reference that said um oh i don't know my see i put this in the notes here but i forget i can't remember what the source was was it the universal weather thing let's see what the universal weather thing says uh 75 75 uh i mean david what's your sense of what's the definition of visibility in in like the case of a of a class delta airspace you know well is it is it one direction and they look in one direction and can't see a mile and as a result we're ifr even if it's severe clear everywhere else that's the way i've seen it practiced but i've also seen it practiced the other way for example on a circle to land uh on an instrument approach where there's no localizer or something like that. Of course, that's less and less these days with uh, the, the RNAV approaches under G GPS. But 
the circle of land was I needed to stay clear of clouds and have one mile of visibility. And so if the south end of the airport was obstructed, but the north half was visible and it was visible another half a mile past that, uh, they'd clear me to land most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times they'd say, no, circle of land's not approved. Uh, the uh, air- airport's uh, IFR. They just flat out, it's it's IFR. Mm-hmm. And I'd go elsewhere and land and, and look at it uh, later and find out, yeah, they were right. It, it was most of the airport was obscured. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's, that's the, the difference. You circle the land and it's special VFR, both of kind of right on the fine edge of uh, making judgment calls based on distances to known objects. And, right. Right. And and, 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 and it can be tend, depend on the guy in the tower with the binoculars. Okay. Cause I know that, I, as I understand it, the way a lo- these towers have a handful of landmarks at a variety of distances that they they observe in order to make their judgment about visibility, you know, at the, at a given moment. Um, my question ultimately has to do with you know how much of the circle needs to be greater than one mile, um, and Jeb's looking and is probably going to discover that any. You know, like a quarter is enough to disqualify or make it IFR. Yeah, I don't. I still don't have the answer. There's just too much, and I'm. I'm well, here's, okay. Well, here's I'll, I'll I'll do this throughout the episode. Those yeah, okay. Of, those of you who are just turn, tuning in, uh, give give us a few minutes. Give us a few minutes. I'm sorry, David. You were going to say something. Well, I was looking at the uh, calculation of visibility that's on the uh, Universal Weather and Aviation sites, and uh, you know it's. Notes that visibility values are determined by both human observers and automated surface observation systems, the ASOS. Mm -hmm. The human observer determines visibility by identifying objects and landmarks at known distances throughout a 360-degree circle around the observation point. Mm -hmm. The greatest greatest visibility observed over 50% or more of the area is the prevailing visibility. So... If it's oh, obstructed, I'm say that part again, or, David. I missed it. Say that part again. The greatest visibility observed over fifty percent or more of the three hundred and sixty yeah. degree area is the prevailing visibility. There you go. If, however, there's a sector of the three hundred and sixty degree area that significantly differs from prevailing visibility, mm-hmm. the observer may add a remark. ASOS measures and converts sensor-driven values to visibility values corresponding to what the human eye can see. Pilots must be mindful that nearly half of the area around the airport may have lower conditions than prevailing visibility. So there you have it. It's clear clear as mud. Say that again. The last one? Yeah. What what you just said, the last sentence. Pilots must be mindful that nearly half of the area around an airport may have lower conditions than the reported prevailing visibility. That makes sense. Yeah. Keep so, in mind, though, that the circling maneuver is a VFR, is a visual maneuver. Yeah. Right. Um, and if, and, and the chances are substantial in many, in many situations, that you can have the runway inside or have the, the airport environment in sight and be able to legally initiate the circling maneuver and remain, you know, at or, at or above the, the circling altitude and still get into IMC and have to execute the miss just because the weather in that particular part of the, of the airspace or near that particular runway is too low. 
or right. visibility is too low or something like that. You can't, right. you can't, you lose yeah. contact with the, with the airport and with the runway oh. you intend to land on yeah, and you have sure. to go around. Yeah. If sure. you, if you lose, if you lose sight of the, of the runway anytime you're doing that, you, you you've got to go missed. Right. No, for sure. That's absolutely true. The The specific scenario that the listener was telling me about was um, a severe clear day except for a fog bank that was creeping in from the ocean. Um, and uh, and a very well-defined fog bank, you know. And, then it becomes a game of percentages. Yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah. And the, and the question is, what's the threshold of the percentages? And I guess maybe that's as much a judgment call as anything else, it sounds like. Um, I mean... It, there's a range where it's a judgment call, I guess. Um, and uh, above 75%, it's definitely IFR or IMC. Um, and below 25%, it's, you know, somebody gets to decide. And uh, in the middle, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, um, I think it's kind of interesting. Jeb, it's, I, it's an interesting question, and it's so interesting. I'm My Google foo is failing me today. Really? Um, okay. Or this morning, anyway. Give, you know, just hang in there. I yeah, just, keep looking. A lot of I, different ways to... I likewise to, uh, did a research. You know, when I when I was adding this to the list, I did some Google. And, uh, you know, I don't nearly have the skills that you do, quite frankly, um, especially in the aviation world with all the resources that you have to call on. But uh, I could not find a reference in either the FARs or the AIM online. Um, and uh, that's why I settled for this somewhat fly-by-night <laughs> uh, website that gave me some sort of answer. Anyways, okay, Jeb, if you want to keep looking, that'd be great. I, I'm going to do back. that. I'm going to do that. Um, uh, there's a lot of resources to check, yeah. um, but nevertheless. Okay. In the meantime, I will say welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from uh, the banks of the beautiful Cochico River in uh, – Dover, New Hampshire, uh, where I am here today in our virtual hangar talking to my two good friends uh, who are out there uh, you know, doing a variety of things. Um, one of them searching the web and the other is riding out thunderstorms. Let's see. Thunderstorms is uh, my good friend from the air capital world, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. We we had Boku weather last night here and more coming. Uh, the rain gauge this morning told me that my, uh, my, my little patch of earth got just a little over an inch and a half of rain overnight. And, yeah. And, it's uh, a thing, man. This lots is happening light, everywhere. Lots of light show, lots of noise. Uh, at one point, the thunder hit so close to our house that it woke up the dog and me both at the same time. And we looked at one another and said, nah, not going to the shelter. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that is a cons- much more of a concern out there than, than it is here. Thunderstorms are thunderstorms, but you don't have to worry about you don't usually have to worry about tornadoes out here. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, I take it Charlotte doesn't get freaked out by the thunder, huh? A lot of dogs just go nuts. Um, uh, she, she she responds to it. She reacts to it. And usually what she does is go where she can look out a window. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, so, if, and, and if it's really coming down, she'll look at me and go, care to play dominoes? Okay. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I spent a couple of days up in Vermont visiting my brother who lives up uh, near Waitsfield, um, Vermont, which is sort of near Montpelier. Uh, he was telling me, and I think this is a story we're hearing everywhere. And we're, so, we're hearing it here in the Seacoast area of New Hampshire. I think we're hearing it in a lot of places that there are a lot more thunderstorms, um, at least this year and in recent memory, than there were, you know, throughout a lot of our lives. I think this is this is the latest, greatest you know, uh, uh, effect of, of 
climate change, I think, because, you know, he was telling me up there where, you know, he lives in, in the mountains there of, of Vermont and, um, uh, you know, they, and they've know to get, they've been known to get their thunderstorms. It's not like they don't get them, but they, uh, he says they've been getting a lot of them that, that like really are almost flash flood thunderstorms. I mean, he says they'll get a, an inch plus two, two inches is what he said of rain over the span of an hour, you know, as a result of this, we're, these we're, under, we're under a flash flood watch here, yeah, uh, because of how much rain uh, has been coming down, and it, it's really worse up north in terms of causing the flooding. Uh, yeah, we've got enough drainage system here, thanks to my uh, late neighbor, to uh, not sweat it too much in this neighborhood, yeah. but. But, you know, up here in the Northeast, anyways, you know, we're getting, you know, more and more of the whole afternoon thunderstorm thing, you know, a la Florida, not quite as as dramatic and, and frequent and big as Florida, I don't think, but much more than we ever did. It's interesting. Um, anyways, well, hang in there, David, and uh, you and you and Charlotte kind of, you know, keep the keep the battens, the hatches battened. Is that a thing? I think it might be. Keep the hatches battened down. Yeah. Batten down. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and uh, and while you do that, I will say hello to my other good friend here in the virtual hangar. That other voice from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is uh, Jeb Bernstein. Burnside. Uh, easy for me to say. Good morning, Jeb. How you doing? Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Dave. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I was complaining about weather a couple of weeks ago on that episode. And uh, finally, the, the dam, uh, and you can spell it any way you want to, has broken. Um yeah, and what does that mean? It's gotten worse or better? No, it's gotten better. You know, right uh-huh. now, I'm looking out the, the front window here. It's clear blue sky. It'll be a hot day, and there'll be some humidity, and there'll be an afternoon thunderstorm. But it's not this overcast, um, showery stuff that we've been experiencing for like two weeks before. So yeah. I, I, everything's good. I, you know, the pool's warm. Uh, um, uh, come on down. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. nice. It's very nice. Um Let's see now. So I don't know whether people heard about that. I can't. I don't know what I did when I edited this episode. So I don't know whether people heard us talking about this during the uh, open. But uh, I'll just kind of repeat myself by saying, "Happy birthday, woohoo!" UCAP is uh, today, literally today. I mean, and we sort of make mention of this most years, um, but we record when we record, um, and it's not usually on the actual birthday. But t- it, this year it is. Today is literally. 13 years to the day after we recorded the first episode of Uncontrolled Airspace. Does, it, does that mean I can get the keys to the car now? Yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> not, no, 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 no. You can, you, no, I'm not even going to go there. Not that, not quite. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But it no, do, no, 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 no. It does mean that you're going to start making your dad's life miserable, and uh, uh, so, uh, or your parents' life miserable, or something like and that. And you, yeah. you have to come up with the extra money for the insurance. Ooh, does, does it change at 13? I, I, if No, it changes whenever you get your driver's license. When you get your driver's license. And start so driving. We've got, we yeah. got a couple more years, you know, but we can start doing glider stuff soon, can't we? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could be doing flight training now. Now, And, and I'm going to embarrass myself by not knowing the answer to this because gliders is earlier. You can take your check ride at what, age 15, 16, something like that? Depends on the state. No, 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 not cars, gliders. Oh, so, I'm sorry, uh, sailplane. Uh, it's, I believe you can, uh, be licensed to fly sailplanes solo at 16, 16. So we've got three more years before we can, you can, uh, something like 14 is in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, for gliders. <laughs> we just like, we're oh, really you know, embarrassing that's, ourselves that's, here. That's, <laughs> this is yeah, just... that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we're 13 years old. 
congratulations. Holy moly. How about I, uh, that? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, it's just crazy. Although, again, I think, I don't know whether people heard this or not, but it, it does in some ways feel like more. You know, it's kind of like only 13? Wait a minute, what are you talking about? You know, but, uh, or, <laughs> or all of 13? You know, like it was just the other day we did this for the first yeah, time, yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, uh Eventually, we're going to get it right. Well, I, I wouldn't count on that by well, any means. It's, you know. it's something to aspire to. It is something to aspire to, and I think we should do that. So so I guess that means we just have to keep doing this for a while longer. Yep. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Let's keep it up, I think. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One quick follow-up here, um, and that is that uh, I mentioned in the last episode that we were going to have a UCAP meetup brunch uh, up here in Nashua, and we did, and it was a lot of fun. I want to just kind of um, this this you know might otherwise be a shout out, but let me just say hi to the uh, we had about seven people in attendance, um, and myself and uh, and Jeff Ward were there, and a bunch of regulars from uh, from the Nashua area were there, and then we had two people flew in from Syracuse, which was kind of interesting. They they flew a Trinidad in from from Syracuse, New York, and uh, that was kind of interesting. And it was not, you know, it was an IFR day, so they that was a commitment. They they wanted to come out and or wanted an excuse to go flying, and we gave it to them. And so they arrived and uh, and joined us for breakfast, and we had a very nice conversation over breakfast, and then went out on the ramp, and we were looking at airplanes and admiring the Trinidad, and uh, it was it was a very very nice morning. Was it? So, did they have to depart IFR? Uh, I. I believe so. I don't know for sure. I don't know exactly how they filed. I, I, as a rule, when we have listeners fly in like that, at a certain point, I wall them off and stop talking to them because I don't want to disturb them and just, you know, distract them. Um, but I know they were talking about filing because they were headed not straight home to Syracuse, but down to Massachusetts. Um, and, uh, and at that time, I believe the ceiling was still like um, 1,500 feet overcast or 18 overcast so i i got a figure that they filed to i would say if they filed coming in file going out you know what they call that you know what they call doing stuff like that what's that maintaining currency yeah well that too (laughs) yeah that too well it reminded me of one of our uh when we still had air comanche one of our uh first saturday of the month trips to uh the uh ponca city fly-in breakfast in uh the, the the lounge at uh, Augusta Airport was full of people because it was IMC and uh, everybody's shuffling around and they're talking to flight service and they're trying to decide what they're going to do and I, uh, I I got on the phone I filed and and left and was able to log an approach going into Ponca City there were maybe a dozen airplanes there. No, no lines, no waiting. Uh, the, the breakfast room was mostly empty, and uh, so uh, Annie and I went through the line, got breakfast, uh, had a good uh, talk, drinking coffee with some of the others there after breakfast was done because there was nobody in line, and then it went VMC, oh, yeah, and okay. Katie bar the door. It was look. It was like looking at the uh, Oshkosh or Sun and Fun arrivals for about thirty minutes because. There'd been dozens of airplanes orbiting around at the edge of the weather, waiting for it to to clear off so oh, they could okay. come in. Yeah, and one of the first ones in the door and through the line uh, was a guy hangered two hangers from us, and uh, we volunteered to get up and 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 leave him our seat. And he goes, "Well, wait, when did you get here? Oh, about an hour and a half ago." Uh, 
Well, you, you'd have to come down IFR to do that. Was, yeah, exactly. Well, doesn't that seem a little frivolous to you? Filing IFR just to go to breakfast? I said, no, it seems like maintaining currency to me. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and I'm hoping I get the login approach going home, which didn't happen. But uh, he and I had different views on the use of an instrument rating. Well, Mine okay. was wherever you need it and whenever you can. And his was only when absolutely no other way is going to get it and doing it like being dragging a kid to the dentist. I was like, I don't get that. I don't get that. All the mm-hmm. work that it takes to earn that bloody rating, you damn right I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. If it means going to breakfast, if I could use it going to the grocery store, damn straight. Yeah. yeah. David, you seem to hang out with a lot of real aviation curmudgeons. I, you're always telling us stories about you. It's like, <laughs> oh, you, don't don't you dare lean on ta- on in, in the run up area, or don't you? Why are you crazy? Don't, don't you dare open that that storm window at thirteen thousand feet over <laughs> <in> Mexico. <laughs> don't you dare? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, David. So uh, you know, I guess it's just that you're younger than the rest of all your aviation circle out there. You know, you being a kid and all, and uh, them being, you know. I don't know. I don't know where this joke is going. Well, the, but the thing, the thing about a town like this is, uh, with the pilot population that we've got here. I mean, between the ones that are working for one of the airplane companies, the ones that are teaching uh, aviation at one of the airports, or they're working out at the uh, National Institute for Aviation Research, is you get you get a really broad spectrum, and uh, you know a lot of them are really cool. I see some of them at. Uh, uh, aeroplanes brewing i see some of them at uh, the third place brewing uh these these folks tend to be more normal human beings but there's going to be that cross-section of curmudgeons uh and 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 that has nothing to do with age it has something to do with attitude and uh because I've, i've come across some younger younger ones you did what to go to breakfast what that's not what it's for. Uh, why? Well, it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's, uh, it's to get you through bad weather. Yeah, that's what it's for. So there was bad weather between me and breakfast. Get over it. Does all kidding aside? Does well, how do, what, does ATC have a view on this? Do they would they rather have you on their scope and with a with a slip in front of them, or what would they prefer? Well, I think they prefer to be busy uh, more than anything because well, that justifies the existence of their position. Uh, you know, the, the, the number of uh, aircraft that they handle in a given period, that, that tallies up on whether they're going to keep that many positions there. That's not a problem here with all the flight test activity we've got and such. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I don't think they – it's not like I, when I file IFR to go to Ponca City for breakfast, in the remarks section I put – Looking for biscuits and gravy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm going to Ponca City because I'm going to Ponca City. Yeah. Uh, I, don't yeah. Have to, I don't have to tell them why. Jeb, my experience with flying with you um, is the maybe with the exception of little short hops like out to get gas and whatnot, you, you tend to file just about everything, right? Yeah. Regardless of the weather. Yeah. At which I've always taken to be a really good practice for practice, um, you know, uh, so. well, it, it's not only is it, does it help keep me sharp or, or at least with ADT with, with handling ATC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I've, I've got it if I need it. For example, if the weather changes 
or if I fly into some IMC, I'm already IFR, no worries. I don't have to, to worry about having to file or right. or anything like that and then getting a clearance. And all that's going to be rushed and uh, uh, in an urgent kind of, well, I wouldn't say urgent, but uh, it might be rushed anyway. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, there's also, I mean, you know, if I'm going somewhere, um, I'm going to be talking to ATC anyway. I'm going to get, be getting VFR flight following or I'm going to be IFR. Right. There you and, go. Um, so, you know, if I'm hopping over to, uh, Arcadia for fuel, uh, no, I'm not going to be talking to anybody. Uh, I'm going to be listening on 22.9, which is the CTAF for both airports, mm-hmm. for example. Right. Um, but yeah, when I go somewhere, I, I generally go IFR unless, you know, a controller's just really, you know, annoyed me to the point where I can say the words <laughs> cancel IFR. Right, yeah. Which has happened, believe it or not. I cannot imagine. I'd be surprised to discover that, or not surprised. Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, sometimes Uh, the curmudgeons we encounter aren't other pilots. (laughs) That's true. They're sitting somewhere with a headset and a microphone. You know, it's like the old thing, you know, who's the mark at the the, uh, poker table? If you can't identify it, it's you. It's you, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe we can be the curmudgeon. Maybe I can be the curmudgeon every now and then, too. Yeah, okay. Sure, why not? Anyways, uh, thank you to uh, the UCAP listeners who came to our brunch the other other Saturday morning. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we don't do it nearly often enough anyway. There was a period of time when we were doing it every, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Um, and now we're going years between them, and I'd like to stop that. We'll see whether we can pull it off. But we had a really good time the other day. And uh, um, anyways, thanks to those folks, and, uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Let's keep, see now. Yeah. Keep those cards and letters coming. Yeah, right. Um, off-field landing of the week. So we've had a fair number of interesting off-field landings of the week over the years. Uh, and, uh, and, and many of them involve aircraft landing in cornfields. Um, but this one is unique. This one was a little bit different. This is the, uh, I keep saying Russian airliner, which I guess maybe is technically Ural, Ural Airlines, I believe it is. Um, uh, an Airbus 321, I'm not reading from the notes here, I'm just coming from my memory. An Airbus 321 taking off from an airport near Moscow in Russia, uh, flew through a flock of seagulls, uh, uh, the actual birds, not the band, and, uh, <laughs> and sorry, they just, I don't Cut know why. Cut me off at the pass. <laughs> and so, um, so they, uh, we can laugh about this because everyone came out well, I mean, it, it, almost miraculously. Um, so they flew through the seagulls, um, lost both engines, shades of uh, a miracle on the Hudson, uh, lost both engines, and uh, and then uh, fortunately had this big open cornfield more or less straight ahead, and so came down just a moments, minutes, seconds later, and uh, and ma- and managed to execute a, a successful forced landing, a big airliner successfully landed in this cornfield um, where everyone um, managed to get out um, with minor, you know, some injuries, as I understand it, but no life-threatening injuries. And uh, wow. I mean, wow, yeah, right? Wow. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, this is some good flying. And uh, I, 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 sadly, I don't think this this pilot's going to become quite as legendary as no. Sully has become just because he's a little bit, you know, a different world and a different, you know, situation but i have heard the pilot's name and i'm going to dig around and see if i can find the pilot's name um but uh you know this was a big deal right yeah oh yeah uh you know this because i i would have put money on that you can't land a jetliner 
on on the ground like this you know that if you're off pavement it, sometimes you're even on pavement a la um what was it the, the iowa one there um captain haynes um but sometimes even landing on pavement you're gonna have a disastrous crash and uh, this guy put it down in a cornfield he put a airbus 321 down in a cornfield successfully um and you gotta man keep those i'm wondering though you know part of me says they're just corn stalks and this is a jetliner they were brushing them away like you know it was brushing them away like they were non-existent on the other hand i gotta wonder how much cushioning action they got out of the corn the corn stalks um so not, uh, not much you don't think so yeah i mean that's not my much. logic tells me no but you know what you're left with is just awesome piloting skill that these pilots who i think were both guys i don't mean to be be uh you know judgmental here but uh, it, it it did the corn stalks did improve the braking action yeah right and it did seem to slow pretty quickly but uh um you know they managed to keep this thing wings level because it it came to rest in you know basically one piece uh and wow yeah there's there's there, there's a salvage operation in in the making well uh, yeah I mean, they, a lot of that airframe is still usable in, uh-huh. in the avionics. Uh, I'm not sure about the engines and the starboard wing. The starboard wing looks like somebody took got at it with a can opener. It. I hadn't seen those pictures. Yeah, so it got ripped up a little bit. I don't know. Apparently, from the pictures I've seen, and there's all kinds of pictures. Wow, there's just a lot of pictures, um, aerial pictures and ground-based pictures and 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 whatnot. Um, as you said, David, it seems to have come to a stop relatively quickly. Um, it didn't begin to use all of this cornfield, and uh, but it looks like it actually crossed like a stream or something um, soon after touchdown. And uh, I kind of wonder what that moment was like. It may not have been completely in touch with the contact with the ground at that point. It might have still been flying through the stocks. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's the image. You know, it's somewhat amusing and it can be amusing because nobody got badly hurt. Um, it's somewhat amusing that so they, they they popped all the slides and everybody got out of the airplane and now they're all wandering around in the cornfields, you know, like a, basically a wingspan away from this thing, taking selfie pictures. All right, they're just like there's all kinds of pictures of this thing. Um, there's, you know, and it's very, I don't know, Stephen King horror novel. You know, it's kind of like, you know, people wandering through the corn stalks with an air, crashed airliner in the background. You know, this is like, a, you know, the beginning of the, the next iteration of the TV series Lost. I don't know. Um, you could call it the field of screams. <laughs> okay, that's, that's no. See, he's getting me for Thir- thirteen flock. years of this, man. No, Come on, no, really? No, that was punishment. He was punishing me for stealing his flock of seagulls joke earlier. Okay, so uh, right. that's that's what that was all about. Anyways, well, congratulations to this flight crew, both the pilots and the uh, flight attendants, for uh, successfully uh, getting everybody back on the ground safely. And uh, um, wow, crazy, huh? Yeah. yeah. And 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 what is, what are they calling it? The miracle on something or other? I don't oh, know. Uh, miracle on the cornfield or something like that, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, it's just nice job, nice job. Anyways, uh, we got a whole bunch of aviation incidents on the list this time. Um, this next one just makes me shake my head. Uh, Blue Angels. Uh, so apparently, 
and we've all seen the Blue Angels. I think I can safely say that everybody's seen the Blue Angels at least once, right? And one of the signature things they do is that four-ship formation where they're really tight. I mean, like overlapping, you know, uh, wing to canopy kind of thing, all right? You know, and, and but in formation, different, slightly different levels and so forth. Um, and apparently during this practice flight, uh, one of the wingtips, ta- I'll, I'll use the word tapped, um, the canopy of the one below it. And it's like, whoa, that's just got to be a moment, you know. I, uh, you've heard, you guys have seen this story, right? Yeah, I, I, I hadn't, I haven't dived into it. I mean, um, and, and apparently it was that that non, you know. I mean, so this happened, and um, the report I saw said that the there was no serious damage. The main damage they said was a scratch on the canopy. Um, of of the other aircraft, I think someone's shorts might have been damaged too. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. I don't know whether, and I, I don't I'm know. Not, whether, I'm not suggesting these these people don't have the right stuff, but uh, but it's got a yeah. No, I think I agree. Uh, um, stuff happens, so yeah. so to speak. So yeah, they they tapped, they bumped, they whatever you want to call whatever terminology you want to use. Swapped um, paint. Well, that's what I've that, seen. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, and I've heard people use that that metaphor, except that there's, there's, the canopy has no paint. So, exactly, exactly. You know, but yeah, I mean, and I'm glad this came out the way it came out. Obviously. Oh, absolutely. Um, but this could have been tragically disastrous. You know, if they had bumped hard enough to really kind of dis, you know, upset one of these aircraft in that tight formation, holy moly, that's yeah. just you know, I mean, I I just and I I keep flashing back to the two times that I've flown in a tight formation like that. The two times that I've had a chance to fly with the aeroshell team, very different aircraft, of course, but still you're, you're flying in this tight formation. And as a non acro non formation pilot, I just like, you know, going, it's all going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Um, because you just look out the window and you go, that airplane is way too close. Uh, and, and, and if, if two of these T sixes that I was flying in had touched, yeah, the shorts thing would have applied in that particular case. Oh, I yeah. Think, you know. oh, yeah. Um, so, anyways, they apparently did a, 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 a stand-down of safety. I don't know what the – there's a terminology for it. But the Blue Angels, after this incident, they didn't just ignore it. Um, um, it they, they, they did a, a, a short – a brief safety stand down or whatever the term is for it, um, where they grounded their planes, they put their heads together. They had meetings. I'm sure, um, they considered the whole situation and then they pretty quickly decided to go back into flight because apparently they didn't even miss the formal, um, um, air show that they were practicing for. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. This doesn't, you guys are very quiet. Like this doesn't just, just make you, you know, yep. your head spin. Just thinking about that scratch on the canopy, that's a new reference point for flying formation. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Keep, keep the scratch just in front of the other guy's intakes and you're good. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. I, uh, okay. Yeah. And, that's... and I, I'd be surprised that, that, that you know, a, a spare canopy was something that they carried around oh, yeah. in Fat well, Albert. I do think I read someplace that they traded out one of the airplanes for one of the spares. I'm not positive about that, but I think I heard that someplace. Yeah, there's usually a number seven airplane in that. Right, right. Sometimes even some number eight, but yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyways, we're happy for the Blue Angels that everything went well, but wow, holy moly, touched during practice. Just shows that even the best of pros can have have, have a day. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Hi, this is Jack. 
We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as $10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. So this next story is, this is a sad one. This is a tragic um, one. And um, so a uh, Pitts uh, S2B uh, down in New Orleans uh, flying a, what is effectively a media flight, um, uh, the the aerobatic pilot um, with a passenger who uh, was a and and one of the reasons this is getting a lot of airplay, if you will, um, is because the passenger was a, uh, a longtime news person from the New Orleans one of the TV stations down there, um, and so you know it, 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 it hits home to a lot of people down there, um, and so they. Uh, they they took off from Lakefront Airport. Um, something happened. Uh, we I don't think we know yet what. Um, apparently the pilot reported he was having troubles, um, but literally said that much. I'm having troubles, and then suddenly it appears lost control. It went down hard, and uh, and they were both killed. Um, and I don't know. And I don't know if there was much to say about the incident. I don't know if we know very much about the incident. One of the reasons I put it on the list was I wanted to um, rant a bit about the not only the mainstream, but I think the aviation media coverage of this, because every story I saw referred to the airplane and to the pilot as a stunt airplane and a stunt pilot. And I really don't like this word. I really don't like it in this particular situation. I found, I, I personally found it to be setting having the wrong connotation right yeah, I, I understand uh, where you're coming from and uh i i just i i really wish they wouldn't do that and they and because uh, to me the word stunt means reckless all right or or careless or not skilled all right um it mean and and you know and i don't these are not stunt pilots all right you know these are these are highly skilled uh highly practiced uh, uh, aerobatic pilots and and to call them stunt pilots is is especially given that they died is a ter- terrible terrible thing to do um it's like calling I, I keep telling i said somebody the other day, i said i said calling these people stunt pilots is like calling a cirque du soleil acrobat a stunt dancer it's like you know that's right. not what they are right. all right they're they're these are you know i mean you know the athletes are highly trained athletes and these are highly trained pilots and they're not stunt anything now having said that for prepping for today's episode i said maybe i should look up the word stunt to see what it means all right and so i did gave you guys a link there that you can you can go to if you care to all right but uh let me open it again here we're ready to go here open url uh now according to google the definition of stunt is uh, an action displaying spectacular skill and daring, um, which is not quite the uh, the ex- the definition. I you know so but according to this definition, it's not that much of a of a of a uh, you know bad term. It suggests 
um, skill. But I, that's not the way I, I read the word stunt, especially in this situation. Because there's another definition here that talks about, um, they talk about the uh, the root of the word coming from the Germanic, and then in English it's like foolish and stubborn stunt. Um, so anyways, please don't use the word stunt if you want me to be happy. And that's perhaps, that should be important to many more people than it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't like the word stunt here. They're not stunt yeah, pilots. Yeah, I mean. They're acro pilots or aerobatic pilots. The, the, um, the, the first news story in, on this, uh, on Catherine's, uh, uh, Catherine's report. Uh, yep. Uh, notes that he himself describes him the pilot described himself as an air uh, an air show acrobatic pilot mm-hmm. not as a stunt pilot right and you could think that that um, you know they could even use the word self-described but um which would be accurate but um they don't need to to change the the wording of how they characterize the pilot yeah i i, I, I just uh, yeah. you know I don't know. I, I read it as being the mainstream media trying to, you know, kind of make it more exciting. Trying to jazz it up. Yeah, yeah right. And, well, uh, now remember, they're not talking to an audience that knows anything about this. Right. And, and aerobatic may not mean a damn thing to some layperson, but stunt means something to almost everybody. Yeah, but it doesn't mean the right thing. I, I'm fine with using generic terms, terms that the general public can understand, but let's come up with a word that means the right thing, is my point. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Um, and it, you I, know, I, I've had this fight with editors in a newspaper newsroom before. I bet you have, yeah. Yeah, I, I, usually, I usually won, but not always. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the, the verb tense, of course, means to prevent from growing or developing properly, which certainly is not the... No, no, that's the, not the word. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways. Anyway. Um, yeah. Just just while we're while we're doing, trying to figure out a segue here, yeah. um, I can't tell you what part of the airspace in a class Delta a METAR covers, okay? Yeah, um, interesting. I, okay. I, can, I, I can't find that information. I will continue to look for it, but... Uh, I Those of our might, listeners who are pounding their tables now, um, I think this I can might tell, merit. I, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I think this might merit an article in a world-renowned aviation it, safety magazine. It, it could. It could. Uh, uh, it could also merit, you know, um, an editorial or whatever. Anyway, yeah. But the, my, my only punchline here is, uh, in getting back to your friend's situation, we're talking about in, in a delta with a, with weather reporting, they're going to want a mile surface visibility before they can clear you to do anything. Uh, it's what what little research I've been able to do this morning tells me, uh, which should not come as a surprise to anybody. Um, and since the sensors or the ob- observers, uh, in the case of humans doing this, are generally going to be at the airport, you need at least a mile um, surface visibility um, to to get an SVFR clearance, the cl- if you can maintain cloud clearance, you should be able to go. I don't know the specific situation your friend's talking about, but that might be one of the keys. There may not have been a mile visibility, or or the facility may not have been reporting a mile visibility. Well, I think that's probably the case. Um, I, I it just the, the thing that puzzled the, my this listener, my friend, um, is that is that 
there clearly was less than a mile in one particular direction. His puzzlement was that it was really limited to one particular runway yeah. and that there was an entire runway with the right pattern side. And, you know, cause that's why I first said to him, I said, well, maybe, you know, if you took off on that runway, yeah. you wouldn't be able to return VFR. All right. And he said, no, he says, he says three quarters of the, of the volume around the air of the, of the airport was severe clear. Um, and it was, you know, not only could you have returned, you could have returned using totally standard procedure um, of getting back to the airport. Oh, yeah. So anyways, it was just, you know, again, it's just, you know, this is like, like I said earlier, and you've sort of you know, gotten into is that it's, it's an interesting hangar flying question of yeah. exactly what is the definition of, of visibility. Um, like, and I'm sure listeners are going to chime in and tell us too. So I'd like to hear that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, so we're going to stick with that for the time being. For the time being, uh, uh, time the search being. for the search for knowledge continues. Yeah, that's right. Uh, before we move off of the uh, pits and 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 this story, and not so much about the pits, I, I came across this Catherine's report. Is Catherine's report a reputable source? Do you, are you guys familiar with it? Yeah, I'm familiar with it, and we've and, talked about it. We've talked about it before. I think. I vaguely remember we yeah. have. Just refresh my memory. Is it a, a what it's is a, it? It's an aggregator, a news aggregator site, and it basically aggregates. Um, what it can find on the web about specific uh, incidents or accidents. Um, they will frequently pull in uh, local news or even sometimes national news stories um, that address uh, an accident. They'll also provide um, what NTSB documentation there is, at least especially early on with the preliminaries or things like that. But they're a good... Let me let me back up. They're a re- reliable source for some of the basic information, especially soon after an accident. Um, there, I don't know how much they f- keep following up and, and things like that, but uh, um, I, I wouldn't say they're a go-to source for me. But there's some there's something I sometimes refer to just to some. For example, uh, is this the the accident that involves so and so? And some of these news stories might have a pilot's name or a passenger's name in them. It depends. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's certainly a, a a way that I use it. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because there was a lot of information. and It seemed somewhat plausible. Go ahead, David. Well, they uh, they they do a lot of this. They know what they're talking about. They 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 speak the language. They don't dink around and change other people's copy to fit their style. Right. Like, right. So you're going to see stunt pilot show up because that's what was in the stories exactly. that they, they, they've collected. But they usually come back uh, when the uh, preliminary uh, – they'll post a link to the preliminary when the NTSB puts it up. They'll post a link to the final uh, when, it, when it comes up. So you can uh, look back at old accidents and going back a long time and see hmm. what the uh, probable cause report was. Okay. Okay. Who, who is it? Is it an individual? Is there actually a Catherine? Or do you know how this... I'm looking I, at their webpage now looking for an, an about or, a, you know, I'm not really seeing anything here, but... Uh, um. I, I don't know who Catherine is or how she works it or whether she is a a collective, uh, but uh, they're a go-to site for a lot of, uh, a lot of home builders uh, follow Catherine's report because they'll see incidents or accidents that involve the kind of airplane that they're flying or building mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. So 
Yeah. Uh, I know that it, it, it's it's big in the Sonex community. It's big oh, really? in the RV okay. community. Oh, okay. uh, well, that says something, I think. Yeah. 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 It's Catherine. For, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it's Catherine with a K. K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-S report.com. Catherine's report. And uh, there you go. Um, what's next here? Uh, actually, I, looking at the homepage of Catherine's report, they have a story about this next item. This is the, uh, Jeb. You put this on the list about the. Uh, wait a minute. I think it was Jeb. I've lost my. Uh, I've lost the show notes here. Rich. The, the, the list here. Um, the Half Moon Bay, California. Um, yeah. Plane yeah. went into the ocean. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't looked at this very much. It seems pretty pretty sensational. Um, what, what do you know well, about this, Jay? I don't know much about it except that. When I saw this, I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." Guy's got you know his phone in his hand and, uh, as he's watching his uh, bonanza sink out from underneath him. Um, I saw on the internet this morning um, um, headlines that this guy um, here's the word, here's the uh, here's the, the maybe the correct word, use of this term. Um, this guy is from Colorado, and the pilot of the of this bonanza is from Colorado, and has been known for for there has been some controversy associated with him for performing various stunts. Um, yep. Um, snowmobiling. Um, I'm not sure um, all the details. I'm just saying I've seen some headlines to that effect. So. Um, the, the, what seems to be the supposition here is that maybe he ditched the airplane, uh, as a stunt. And, okay. And, and I, and yeah, I just, right. I just have a problem with that and I have a problem, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And what makes that even more suspicious is the fact that there was a, an associated airplane overhead. Um, there, there's actually... I'm trying to see if this is the same incident. Well, supposedly they were doing photo work, right? Yeah, and there's all work. kinds of video. There's video of them on the wing of the airplane, you know, in right. the water. Um, now, so there's a. I'm happening. I'm looking now with the sound muted at a video. So there's a you uh, an aviation YouTuber who I've lately kind of come to like, um, named Matt Guthmiller. Um, I, I think I sent you guys that that link to he was part of a DC three trip over to Europe, um, and yeah, I know I sent it to you because we were talking about the landing in Greenland. Right. Um, that was one of his videos. He was on board there as sort of a passenger, or special guest kind of thing, um, and that was one of his videos. He does a lot of videos about. He flies his Bonanza all over America, all over the world. He apparently did a around the world thing, and he's quite the uh, barnstormer with his with his uh, bar, with his Bonanza. Um, and it appears that maybe he was the flight in the air over this. And I would like to think that he wasn't involved with it if it was an overt stunt. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't have all the details. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And I don't know. And like you said, Jeb, it's somewhat troubling. I, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. You know? I, I... <sighs> I mean, okay, if it was a photo mission that went wrong and there was an airplane in this because it was an air-to-air, that's kind of air-to-air photo shoot well, kind of thing. That's okay, I guess, yeah. you know. And, and if, if you're doing formation with somebody or uh, – I'll use the Cayman Caravan as an example. The, they put us off Key West in flights of four, and we were grouped together according to our cruise performance. 
And one of the things that they drilled us on uh, in the uh, ditching training the day before was if one of your group goes down, one of you, the one with the most fuel, should try to circle over where they are right. until right. the rescue people show up to make it easier for the rescue people to find them. And if you sure. can keep them in sight, you keep them in sight. To me, and this is no different. Uh, the, yeah. the guy in the other airplane was just keeping... Keep filming, keep filming. You yeah, know. right. Well, um, hey, you know, I think the fact that these were YouTubers is what kind of complicates the whole thing. Um, so just for FYI, and again, this video only got posted yesterday uh, from Matt Guthmiller. Um, he posted the, a video about this whole incident, um, and apparently it has footage from both points of view. Um, and I haven't watched the video yet, um, but I, I'm looking at the description of the video. <laughs> Um, Matt Guthmiller writes, Yesterday, my friend had an in-flight engine failure, landed his plane in the Pacific Ocean, and was rescued by the Coast Guard. They caught it all on camera. Yeah. That's just a so point, point, point of order. Point of order. Yes. You referred to this as an incident a okay. moment ago. And it's uh, not an incident. It's definitely an accident. Yeah, definitely okay. an accident. I, I wasn't using that. I, that under, I understand. Yeah. It, it is a term of art. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it in my day job one of my day jobs it has some import let me read three paragraphs out of the story yeah um um well yeah after the crash uh, our quote our videos are provocative and edgy but if you think i crashed my brand new airplane in the pacific for a publicity stunt you need your head examined the pilot said Mm -hmm. Uh, as soon as the engine failed he came up with his own theory quote i think it's the fuel unquote he said in the video while floating in the water. Uh, he had filled up at Reed Hillview and now says that fuel was not as clean as it should have been. Um, uh, I'm quoting from the story. So he knowingly put what might have, he knowingly put bad fuel in his airplane. Is what I'm hearing from that statement is, is part of yeah, the conclusion. Well, it does okay. suggest that he had suspicions <clears throat> when he put it in, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Um, he goes on to say that the he says anyway the NTSB is looking into fuel at that airport now. Um, that's a routine um, step right. Right. Um, that the NTSB takes in in a in an accident. Yeah, that's like an this. every accident yeah, yeah. action. Yeah, right. especially involving an engine failure. Right. Um, so yeah. you know, are you? He was he. Someone asked him, "Are you going to buy another airplane?" Are you gonna, and, and he says, "As soon as I can." Uh, anything you want to say to the people who think you staged this? The more accurate way to look at is my lifetime of crazy things allowed me to remain calm in a very urgent situation, which led me to live. If I couldn't handle extreme situations, I would not be here to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's plausible, I guess. Yeah, that's ding, a plausible. Ding, ding. You know, ding, ding, ding. Um, all of that having been said, and you know, we're not the one who raised the suspicions, but we're we're I guess repeating them or at least noting them. Um, my problem with all of this is, okay, let's say I had, um, uh, I was a race car driver, wink, mm-hmm. wink, nod, nod. And, um, I suffered an engine failure and had to dead stick my airplane onto a highway or something like that. Okay. And it made the news <clears throat> and, you know, maybe, you know, my racing career wasn't, um, as, Equitable, perhaps, or equanimous, uh, as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so that some of my competitors were angry with me. Mm-hmm. 
why would they not try to spread or why would I not be susceptible to someone saying, well, you know, he, he flies just like he drives. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I have a problem with. I know I've said that about the way you you fly. So, um, yeah. Oh, I drive much worse than I fly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. So there we go. I don't know. It's a, yeah, a complicated situation. I, it is. It is. Um, you know, you know. I mean, the fact that it was caught all caught on video like this isn't necessarily a, a suspicious I, thing. In this in this day and age, yeah, it doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, clearly there was a lot even more than usual, but the fact that it was caught on video does not necessarily make it suspicious. And uh, and I think it's compelling that this guy isn't going to crash his airplane, you know, for a stunt. Well, I don't think. I don't know. Okay, I don't know this guy. Putting you know, aside but, the loss of, of uh, the airplane, I read somewhere he'd had it maybe two weeks or something. And it's, it wasn't brand new. It was brand new to him. Right. Uh, maybe it was his first airplane. I don't know. Um, putting that putting putting aside the willing destruction or loss of the airplane you just bought, which is a stretch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of intentionally ditching that airplane when you've a never done it before, b don't really know how it's going to come out, mm-hmm. uh, and c um, are really taking a much greater risk by intentionally ditching the airplane, then well, yeah. uh, uh, I just find it a, a, a big leap. And uh, uh, I hope it's, you know, I, I, for his we'll sake and it, for, yeah. our, for you know, repu- industry's reputation, I hope it does not come to pass if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably check back in. We'll probably have to circle back to this. Yeah, really. So, anyways, uh, by the way, and let me just give you one bit of context. So, Reed Hillview Airport, the airport where he refueled right. or fueled, um, is uh, um, you used to, actually you used to fly out of there. It used to be my one of my airports, not my primary, but my sort of my secondary. I was a member of the EAA chapter there, and I done a lot of time there. A, a, a very reputable airport. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't have bad fuel. Any airport could have bad fuel, but um, well, a, very, a very reputable airport, not not you know a casual kind of you know, right. And and you know he could he's probably on a tie down. And it maybe it rained, and maybe he saw some water in his gas, and when he when he sumped the, the tanks during his pre flight, and maybe he didn't get the, all the water out. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't know. We yeah. we may. Never On the other know. hand, they were probably a good hour away from Reed Hillview when they're in Half Moon Bay. That's <clears> a little bit of a flight. It's not, you know. I mean, if you could that's go about, straight, that's in. about the time you'd switch tanks. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that's oh, yeah. okay. I see what you're saying. All right. Anyways, we'll check back. We'll, we'll like you said, we'll circle back and uh, and if we learn more about this later on. Anyways, yeah. All right. I think uh, I think it's uh, getting close. Uh, uh, shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. I got one first here. Um, I came across a story um, about an airport up in Maine that I wanted to give a shout out to. Um, it turns out that um, there's a that's getting on- kind of close to Greenland. <laughs> well, it is, yes, but then <laughs> just so yeah, but but you know, from from your perspective, Virginia is close to Greenland too. So, uh, um, Owl's Head, Maine, is apparently an actual city in Maine. It's up near Rockland, which is about an hour's drive north of Portland, Maine, um, and uh, it's this it appears to be the city of Owl's Head, or certainly the area known as Owl's Head, um, on on the grounds of the Knox County Regional Airport is the Owl's Head Transportation Museum. 
Um, and although it's not exclusively an aviation museum, it is apparently, apparently has um, a, a nice little aviation collection with some uh, old uh, antique airplanes that are either, you know, on static display or being restored. And um, I, I didn't realize this was up there and uh, I'm, I put it on my list. I want to go and, and visit this uh, uh, one of these days. It's, it's, it looks pretty cool. The, uh, the story references a, a handful of really interesting um, airplanes that are on display and uh, I, you know, anybody who's looking for someplace to go in the uh, go flying in the northern New England area might want to consider not what was that I said it what did I just say the airport's name was did um, you say Owl's Head Owl's Head yeah I gave you guys a link to the Google Maps so you can see where it's Owl, located the Owl's Head Transportation Museum exactly on the grounds of the Knox County Regional Airport Rockland um, Maine and they call it Rockland, okay? And apparently, Co- yeah, it's a collection of planes, cars, and motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah, the identifier is Romeo Kilo Delta. Oh, that, that would be Rockland. Okay, yeah. So maybe this is the airport that... that Knox yeah, okay. County. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I just a shout out to them. Um, it looks like an interesting thing. I'd never heard of it. I'm going to go check it out one of these days. It's a little bit of a drive. Maine's a big state. Maine is one of those states, a la Florida or California, that... Uh, you know, you go, well, it's just across the state, drive across the state. But, you know, I mean, I live almost literally with a stone's throw. I mean, I live, you know, from from here to the to being in Maine three hours or three hours, three miles, um, you know, sort of as the UAZ, UAV flies. Um, but <laughs> but this place is that worked. That was good. No, I was as, going for that. That was very satisfying. the UAV flies. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a brave new world, man. It's, it's a, brave a brave new world. world. That's right. Um, but having said that, Maine's being very close to me, it's still probably a two-hour car drive um, from from uh, from here to to Owl's Head. Um, so, but one of these days, yeah, if you had an airplane, out. you know, it'd be quicker. well. The problem is, yeah, the problem is it's within the. So I, a long time ago, I developed a rule of thumb for flying. All right, and that was that it was two hours. Any drive, any place that was two hours drive, that was the over under for whether it was faster to fly or to drive. Oh man! It, you, you, well, you, you're applying fixed criteria to something that that uh, is more. You're applying. Uh, we don't all ob- get to walk object, out. objective criteria to a subjective decision. Uh, well, okay, there is that. I mean, yeah, you, it doesn't make any difference how long it is you go fly anyways. I, that's a factor, all right? But if you're purely looking at it on the basis of travel time, door-to-door, two hours was always my rule of thumb. So that puts this at the So, so hopping up to St. Petersburg for lunch is frivolous? To St. Pe- oh, St. Petersburg. Uh, <laughs> which which oh, is no. an, it's an hour drive from here. So going up to St. Petersburg to have lunch at the Hangar Cafe. Well, but that's an extreme example of what you mean about you know it being because that's a beautiful flight. That's a, it's really pleasant to do. Uh-huh. And uh, um, so the flying part, yeah, that it's not faster. But that violates your ru- it violates your rule. No, no. I, well, let me not, let's maybe not characterize it as a rule. Right? <laughs> okay. It's more of a rule of thumb. It's like if you want to know time wise, well, door we're gonna, to door. We're, we're going to ask the stenographer to go back and and, and replay <laughs> what 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 you said initially yeah, right. about this. Okay. All right. Well, it's <clears> kind of <throat> like kind of like the Ponca City breakfast. I can I can drive to Ponca City from my house in about fifty fifty five minutes. Uh, to drive to Dead Cow or Augusta, pre-flight the plane, uh, get loaded up, started up, and and on my way, 
uh, I could have almost been there by that point. But yeah, I would have missed the opportunity to fly. I I totally accept that. All I'm all I'm saying is my rule of thumb, if you must. All right, my rule of thumb just simply had to do with travel time door to door. That's all it said. It didn't talk about quality of trip or anything like that. Travel time door to door. Two hours was always my thing. If it was a two-hour drive, then it would be a two-hour flight door-to-door from your house. And we don't all have, by the way, Jeb, we don't all have the benefit of being able to walk out our front door to our airplane in the front yard. All right, Some of us have to like get in our car and drive to the airport and <laughs> do, you know. So, anyways. I, I uh, will admit to being spoiled in that regard. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways. Yes, I could fly to Knox County Airport. I would have to drive halfway there to get to Sanford, Maine which is where I sort of my target airport for flying. But anyways, uh, Owls, Owls Head Transportation, what would we call it again, David? Museum. Transportation Museum. Museum um, on the grounds of Knox County Regional Airport. Um, I'm going to check that out. That was my shout-out. Kind of long-winded. We kind of got a little distracted there. What do you guys got? Any shout-outs? And see, the problem is because I distracted you, now you guys aren't prepared with your shout-outs yet. What do you got? I, I, I'm, uh, Dave, go ahead. If you're ready. Uh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> no, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Uh, I, have to, I insist now. Um, not really a shout-out, but kind of a bag. Um, in uh, my... Um, coverage various various stories recently in, in aviation safety there's been a question come up uh from readers about um how should i say the consistency of adsb in traffic uh the tisby service that uh, so many of us use mm-hmm. and um the reliability of that information i guess for lack of a better um, um description um I have certainly noticed quirky traffic behavior. Others have noticed quirky traffic behavior within ADSBN. And I'm curious is if any of our listeners have also noticed some quirky uh, thing, you know, ghost airplanes, for example, or airplanes suddenly accelerating well beyond what they could do, or you know, traffic that you know is there because ATC has told you about it, but does and and um, all the indications are they're talking to ATC also, but it doesn't show up on your ADSBN. Hmm. Um, all of these episodes I've kind of seen or or at least thought I saw. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to diagnose something when you're trying to also fly the airplane, but um, I'm kind of wondering if if uh, others have noticed this. You know, I, you know, I'm not saying that it's broken. Uh, I say all the time that this is an advisory service and it's not mm-hmm. to be relied upon for for separation, which is something I think the FAA says. But I think it's also important to know what quirks it might have. Yeah. And and uh, I'm very curious. Uh, and I'm I'm going to put this out to other other sources, other um, um, forums. But I'm very curious to know if uh, any of our readers have experienced similar episodes or, or just have a, a problem with uh, Tisby uh, services generally. Uh, le- you know, hit the, uh, hit me up on, on the Twitter, uh, Burnside J uh, on the Twitter machine. Mm-hmm. Send a note to avsafetymag at gmail.com. Um, 
I'm I'm very curious to hear from yeah. from others who have seen I, this. So and that's not a it's not a shout out, but it might become one later on. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's that's a very interesting question, and it could be a pretty significant question too. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, David, what do you got? Save the date for the fifth annual International Girls in Aviation Day, October five. It's coming up, uh, just a few weeks out, and. Uh, it's a worldwide gathering organized by Women in Aviation International and its chapters around the world. And if you got a young lady in your life, a daughter, a girlfriend's daughter, a niece, a neighbor that's interested in in, uh, in aviation, uh, it's a good event to get to get her involved in because she'll get a lot of exposure. She'll meet a lot of like-minded people. She'll meet a lot of lady pilots that'll show her that, yes, you can fly. So October 5, 2019, that's my shout-out. Cool, cool. Very cool. Well, this is good. That yeah. was fun. We yeah. had a good time. I had a good time here. Yeah. I want to say, uh, um, um, you know, it's all about you. <laughs> well, that's, and, and that's fine. That's as it should be. Yeah, right? As it should be. Yeah, right. So, uh, so yeah, I want to say thank you to myself and uh, goodbye. See you later. Uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I love talking with you guys. Um, it's a lot of fun, and I want to thank you for taking some time this morning. Um, my two good friends here, one of those is uh, is uh, Jeb Burnside. Uh, Jeb's a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on? Anything fun? Um Trying to take care of some projects around the house now that I have some, some downtime, but I'm, I'm starting to ramp up some work. Um, got a project due for, uh, Aircraft Electronics Association and, and Avionics News. Um, that's coming up over the next few days. And, uh, once I finish that and ship it, um, uh, diving into the October, October yeah, I know, issue huh? of aviation safety. Uh, September should be on the streets about now. Um, but um, so I'm I'm just starting to gear up, and I got some you know some errands to run this afternoon and, and stuff to take care of, so I can hunker down and start cranking workout. So there that's that's where there I am. Go. And yeah. you know, finally, I can mow the lawn again uh, after it started to dry it out. Started to dry out here a little bit. That fancy new lawnmower of yours can't handle the wet grass, huh? No lawnmower can handle that wet grass. It's not that it's not that the grass is wet; it's that the ground is wet, and I don't oh, okay. I don't want to get stuck. Right. I'd have to. Okay. I'd have to get a. Now here's a, here's a here's a. <laughs> I should I shouldn't even talk about it. what I need is a drone that mows the lawn. Okay, and we'll just you'll just fix it up so that it it's got sharp blades and it just goes and and uh, you can program it and um, uh, the blades are actually airfoils so. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I we, think that's you make your fortune right I'd there. I make right? a fortune on this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, where can people find you about you and all these things on the internet? Uh, FlyingLawnmowers.com. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yet another domain I need to register. That's Wait right. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let me let me come back to that. No. Um, um, Burnside J on the Twitter machine <laughs> I mentioned earlier. So we're, we'll go with that. AviationSafetyMagazine.com for one of the day jobs. Um, AEA.net for the uh, Aircraft Electronics Association work. Uh, you might even find me on AIN online or on AppWeb. 
There you go. You'll be interested to know that flyinglawnmowers.com is not available. <laughs> it has been registered. So, okay. Uh, lost opportunity right there. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, maybe someone's willing to part with it. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure that's what. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, no, there, there was a play written about uh, uh, lawnmowers like that. It was called Mulch Ado About Nothing. Okay, see, now maybe see, 13 maybe years of this, I man. Oh, 13 years of this. Uh, another good friend here in the, in the virtual hangar, but maybe not for much longer is Dave Higdon. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Higdon is the aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? Well, uh, I was just looking at what, uh, what's in print right now. The, uh, avi- latest avionics news has a story I, I, I did on, uh, uh, GPS, de- it, it, the, the, the line in the uh, contents page reads, in a GPS-dependent society, reliability and vulnerability are paramount. I have to look it up because I don't remember it right now. But okay. uh, that's in this month's Avionics News. Mm-hmm. Uh, my regular uh, features in Avbuyer Magazine are up on avbuyer.com, AEA.net, as Jeb said, for a, the electronics av- Aircraft Electronics Association work. Uh, got a couple of things in the can for uh, a, a relatively new client, and uh, I'll be able to talk about that when it hits print. But cool. you can find me at Real Higdon on the Twitter uh, machine, as Jeb puts it. And uh, otherwise, just do a Google search for Dave Higdon and aviation, because if you don't put aviation in there, you're liable to wind up reading about golf or theoretical physics. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, uh, uh, yes. Okay. I did, you did give me, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm also making notes as we talk. See, I really ought to just listen. I don't know why I should start now, but I ought to be listening to what you guys are saying. And, uh, sometimes <laughs> no one else does. Why should you, I, right, you know, yeah, say sometimes it hadn't worked before. Uh, sometimes I listen more carefully than others. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer and a digital media producer. Uh, I've, uh, I'm sort of in the midst of a big uh, homestand here. Um, not traveling for my day job. Um, I just had a really interesting, um, visit up in Vermont. One of my brothers lives up there and, uh, um, I was up with visiting him for a couple of days. Uh, it's, uh, and, uh, he lives right near Warren airport. And, uh, I, I had an opportunity to get an inside look I'm off the record. So I can't give anybody a lot of details, but of some interesting projects that are in the making in this, in this, you know, kind of quaint little air, and it's not quaint exactly, this is little airport in the middle of, uh, of, uh, of Vermont and, uh, some interesting, you, you wouldn't think that high tech aerospace stuff is being developed you know, in a hangar in the woods like this, but it is. And uh, maybe one of these days we can talk about it, but uh, it's uh, interesting things going on there. I had a chance to visit the airport and we were watching the gliders for a little bit and uh, um, a fun time I had up there. Um, Let's see now, what else is going on here? I'm cautiously hopeful that there will be news from me on a subject that many have asked about over recent years. Um, And uh, I I really, really thought that I was going to have that news today. I, in many ways, should have had that news today, but didn't pan out. It's a good thing you embargoed the press release. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's right. So, uh, but, but. Hopefully, knock on wood. I know what it is. I know what if the, it is. If the if the crick don't rise and the good Lord's willing, all right. Um, the uh, um, next episode, 
We'll see. Um, you can find me online in most of the usual places using my, with the username Jack Hodgson. That's my first and last name bumped together. For example, YouTube.com uh, slash Jack Hodgson, Twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon.com slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can find my ebooks by searching uh, in the books section for Around the Field. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Uh, I think that's it. David, what were you going to tell us? Uh if you want to be as old as Jack someday, you need to go fly because, as, as you may have heard, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Thirteen years of this? <laughs>